Very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we are talking to you. We're now officially in the last half of TCA's, uh, this wonderful, wonderful voyage we go on every six months. Literally a 12th of our year, Ben. A 12th of our year, Ben, is spent in hotel ballrooms listening to people tell us about their TV shows. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, and it's equally chilly. That's that's kind of what sticks with me more than anything else, how cold it is inside that ballroom. Yes. Yesterday, I forgot to bring a sweater, and our our dear colleague, Han, actually went out to her car and brought me a blanket. Oh, what a... That's a hero right that, there. That was hero status behavior. Yeah. Um, and I also... I forgot, to get, again, a sweater today, but I'm going Liz. to have... I'm, but, no, I'm going to bring my own blanket. This is the standout... <laughs> portion of the TCA that we remember the cold more I mean it's it's literally sweltering outside right now and then yeah. inside the ballroom it's it's as cold as as you know winter TCAs when it's January yeah no it's not it's not great but but TCAs themselves are really interesting fantastic stuff and we get we get really great stuff out of them and also what what, what one of the big things I always take away from it is an awareness of just how much money gets spent in this in this industry like it's it's you know, every day there's, you know, there's there, every, every, every day there are meals. There's, you know, just like the idea that like all, every person that gets put on that stage is, a, you know, get, is getting pay, probably paid for their time and they get hair and makeup and they have to be transported to and from the hotel. And just like imagining, imagining how much money it takes to put five people in hair and makeup on a stage, just that alone probably costs like a thousand dollars. Well, Liz, I think I think you're glossing over. You're burying the lead again, in which I think the best example of this of, of kind of the extravagance that can that it can appear even at the TCAs, even at something that's closed, you know, strictly to these critics, came when I was gone. I was out of town, but you saw Mariah Carey. Oh my God! <laughs> um, yes, Ben, you missed. You missed a moment. Well, Michael Schneider said in his 20 years of going to the TCAs, this would rank in the top 10 moments, like, of all time. Yes. Okay. So that's, I'll, that's I'll, I'll, pretty high praise. I'll, I'll set the scene. So Mariah was the last panel of the day. Uh, so and what's she there for? Like, what's going I don't know. I never She, she is out. a docu-series, quote-unquote, okay. called Mariah's World, which oh takes God. you inside Mariah's World. Great. Where Mariah's World is very interesting. That's where we want to be. Yeah, no. It, after right now, yes. So things start off with... Um, you know, a bunch of waiters coming in, coming into the ballroom and bringing us all champagne flutes and then putting chilled buckets of champagne on all the desks. So, and then- Did so, you get a you brand know. on that champagne? Was it- uh, A Veuve Clicquot. So it's, yeah, it's high quality. It's a it, good champagne. Was it a champagne. bottle or was it a smaller bottle? No, it was like, a, it wasn't when like individual bottles, but like each row got a bottle or two. Um, like I mean, big, those full, are, full those are $100 plus bottles of yeah, champagne. So, and, that, and there were probably about 50 of them. um and then we also got in we also got we were given uh little chocolates that said mariah's world on them oh my god did you save any uh i did not oh you gotta preserve some of those i mean just for the memory just for the memory um maybe they're maybe maybe they're in my bag i don't i didn't eat them somebody's got them somewhere somebody's got them somewhere um but i was told they were very good so we've already been we've been plied with champagne and chocolate we're running things are running a little bit behind but then the lights go down. Spotlight up on the stage. So very different, completely different lighting scheme than usual. Yeah. 
Yeah. And six shirtless men proceed to walk onto stage and assembling themselves into some sort of throne couch scenario. Upon which Mariah, Mariah then enters, makes a big uh. entrance, strides over to the human, the man couch, sits upon it, <laughs> crosses her legs and says, well, this is normal. And on oh, man couch. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, I left out the most important detail. Mar- they also brought out for her before, before, as they were serving the champagne, they bring out for her a giant purple chaise lounge upon which to recline during her panel. Oh so after she gets off the man couch, she goes over and sits on the purple chaise lounge. <laughs> And then proceeds to start answering our questions. And one of the fun things about uh, the one, and one of the, this is a beautiful detail, which I really appreciated. The shirtless men then left the stage, mingled into the audience, and they became usually their pages around in the audience of TCA, in in the audience to basically, if you have a question, you raise your hand, page in a nice, nice jacket runs over and hands you a microphone so you can ask it and the whole room can hear it. In this case, the shirtless men were the microphone gophers, and they were glistening, and they were standing right next to us, and it was very, very weird. But also Mariah herself was a delight, and she really had some great answers to questions. She had some sass. She she also had champagne, and at one point she got asked about American Idol, and she's like, oh, that was a traumatizing experience. She leans over, grabs her glass. You've driven me to drink. It It was pretty special. It was a very special panel, yeah. um, and but yes, so, like if it they, like it. I mean, they had to hire those dancers, uh, or and pres- who, by the way, did a very good job of microphone goofing. Like that's not necessarily a skill set they have on their resume, but they uh, they took to it like pros. Well, let me let me just ask you this: after that extravagant display, which had literally the whole room talking about it, I remember seeing just. You know, hundreds we, of tweets and pictures and, and discussions like coming up on on like as it was happening. Right. And of course, my feed is is somewhat critic centric, but still, do you feel like you're going to watch Mariah's World now? You know, I'm not going to say I am because, frankly, I probably won't. Let's be honest. But <laughs> I feel like I have an awareness. I I do feel like the money was well spent in making me extraordinarily aware of what that show would be. Yeah. So I. As a marketing technique, even though it may not get me watching it just because it's not necessarily my thing, I still know very much what it is. Yeah. And that's kind of, we're kind of talking about money today to some extent because we're hearing, you know, beyond TCAs, just like the amount of money being spent on certain productions is breaking records left and right. The last tycoon, uh, the recent Amazon pilot, I was told it was I was told by the creator Billy Ray that it was the most expensive TV pilot in Sony TV history. Um, and the key word there is pilot because uh, a recent uh, was a Variety or Hollywood Reporter Variety, right? I don't know what you're referencing. Uh, the uh, Get Down story. Oh, it was Variety. Yeah, it was Variety. yeah. Yeah, Cynthia Littleton. But the the Get Down, you know, this upcoming Baz Luhrmann show on Netflix. Uh, it's reported to have been be the most expensive television show in Sony TV history. Which was, well, in period. Period. Um, but that was refuted immediately after really? that story. Yeah, the, it was funny. The trades went to war again where Variety posted that story, and the next day Hollywood Reporter came back with, no, it's not. Their headline was literally, the get-down is not actually the most expensive show ever made. And then they had a quote from Baz about generally saying, I don't think so. Like, he didn't, nobody came out and said this was the budget. It wasn't. 
but they did come out like I don't I don't think it I don't think it was that expensive. Um, but anyway, the point being, they're spending a lot of money on this show, and there's more and more money being spent on television, both for the marketing purposes surrounding those shows to build up awareness in such a competitive market, as well as just the productions themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and you know, and the question is. Does spending more money on a TV show make it better? And you know, the easy answer to that is no. That is not is you know, if you throw, throwing cash at a TV show is not a guarantee of you know of a presumable quality. And for example of that, we turn to vinyl. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like you still. I, I still remember you gave it a B plus when you reviewed it, which is did I? Yeah. Doesn't I think, sound like me. <laughs> it doesn't. Sounds awfully generous for what I usually. <laughs> no, I remember. Looking it, it up. Okay, Ben's gonna look it up really quickly, but I remember this because we then discussed like, oh, are you going to do, um, are you gonna do reviews beyond the first episode? And you were like, no, and I'm like, but you 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 gave it a B, a B plus. Okay, he's checking now. We're scrolling. We're scrolling. I did. Yep, you're right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Man, I wonder <laughs> what my reasoning was. I mean, but you were, you, anyways, the, pro, the problem with Vinyl, their, Vinyl had a lot of problems. Most specifically, it was, shouldn't have been about the white guy. It should have been about all the really interesting supporting characters that the show, you know, focused on. And yet, uh, I think I'd refine that grade now to a B. My argument, though, which is which is interesting, is mainly that the production was so spectacular mm. that that production that lines, it up. that like the way that it was literally the way that it was made the way that it was crafted the the editing and the and the cinematography and the and the general production design i mean that's all perfect like they they got all that right it right. was just that the story had been done before and that they were ignoring the characters that you really want to dig into which is a problem in general on tv but um replicating mad men with more money behind it is not necessarily the solution to finding your next big tv hit yeah and um, i, and but, I mean yeah. like I think I think the thing about budgets that I find really interesting is I remember that I remember uh, Louis CK was very upfront about this when he first started making Louis for FX which is that he had complete creative control over that show. He also had a really small budget and it was that compromise of if you have if you're willing to accept a very small budget, you can do whatever you want. You just have to be able to do it on that budget and that challenges you to do, to make better things. Yeah, but now the interesting opposite side of that is people are getting creative control and unlimited budgets. Yes. So especially at Netflix where, you know, what they said, they spent $6 billion on original programming in 2016. They're planning to spend $7 billion in 2017, um, which (laughs) just seems absurd. But they're getting complete creative freedom at the at for the get down presentation at the TCAs. They they spoke specifically about how Baz they wanted Baz to do whatever he wanted. They wanted him not only to be shepherding the show, they wanted him involved every day on set, and they wouldn't even greenlight it until he was until he agreed to do that. Until yes. he agreed to be more involved than he even wanted to be. Yeah. Um, he wanted to be the curator and pick the people and put them in place and let the story be told that way. And they wanted more of him. So they wanted more creative ideas coming straight from Baz, which is interesting. But they were also pretty legit with the budget, pretty open with the budget, so it seems. So there's people who are getting, you know, complete creative control, like I'm assuming Woody Allen's show on Amazon. It seems like they oh, just yeah. said, do whatever you want. Here's all the money you need. Make it. We don't care what you make. 
and they've said that on multiple occasions that they didn't care what he produced they just wanted something from him um so people are getting that in a way and and frankly with the get down it worked and it sounds like he had to fight a little bit to get certain things done his way you know like moving the production from LA to New York and 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 other elements that would cost a little bit more and he fought for that and he got it um so maybe that's the restraint like maybe that's the restraint that's needed like you can give him the money but you damn sure better have a good reason for asking mm-hmm. um but the get down is is one of the best shows i've seen this year it's a tremendous piece of filmmaking it's a tremendous piece of artistry it is exactly what baz wants it to be i can't imagine anything more more lerman-esque than this show it is just it is drenched in music and 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 setting and place and tone i mean everything about it is so detailed and, and he's talked about how when they were on set they set up these various stations where you know you've got grandmaster flash teaching somebody how to dj in one room and then the room next door you've got them teaching him this like specific dance moves like the what was it the shuffle or something specific mm-hmm. they were trying to get him to incorporate just just as as background just as something in the show that that lends authenticity to it but they're doing all this to make sure that it's done right and him create him going out and getting all these people, getting Grandmaster Flash, getting Nas, getting uh, you know, like all these specific people to create the show uh, the way he wants it to be created also costs a lot of money. So mm. the fact that he had that definitely benefited the show as opposed to them saying, listen, you can do whatever you want. We're not going to pay for anybody else, though. Them paying for everybody seems to have created this masterpiece of television. Like, it's it's terrific. And then at the same time, you've got something like vinyl, which was created in a similar fashion that just bombed. That yeah. just, I mean, again, I'm not, like I like you said, I gave it a B plus when it came out. It's not a terrible show. It's just not a great show. Right. It's not worth the money, for sure. I not mean, I worth think, I think half the money. Worth the money is really, I think, really where it comes down to. It's like, and that's, I think, what, that's what, and, you know, that's what keeps certain shows on the air, too. It's like. They don't cost a lot. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Hannibal is a really famous example of a show that you know it, it that they spent money on that show. Believe you me, but a lot of the financing for it was kind of split between was was came from international, so it didn't cost NBC a lot of money. And that's why we got three seasons of it. We would not have gotten three seasons of Hannibal if it had cost NBC a ton of money, yeah. and, we, and that would have been sad. And now the uh, now the in house. Uh, Oh God, I'm forgetting the business lingo for synergy, the vertical integration. Vertical integration that they're doing now, where they're you know it's in house, so they can control a lot of the money themselves and, and pass the money back and forth between their different branches. Uh, you know that's becoming more and more prominent in network TV, where you know ABC is much more likely to buy uh, a project from their in house production studio than they are to shop something out from somebody else. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of business aspects to this that are coming into play mm-hmm. uh, that are affecting kind of the money and the decision making of whether or not something goes forward. Um, I remember when the grinder was about to get canceled, a lot of people thought that it had a better chance because it was in-house as opposed to grandfathered, which was shopped from Sony. I think Sony. It yeah. was an ABC show originally. <laughs> there was something to do with Disney. Um, but anyway, like it, it's there's a lot of interesting things going on with kind of the control aspect of it and and what's motivating things to keep things on the air uh outside of just you know ratings which we can't trust and uh and and general quality as we'd like to assume would be what kept them on yes in the perfect world you know there's i keep thinking about the story i keep thinking about vince gilligan um because there's a story from the second season of breaking bad where 
you remember, Jesse's trying to, I think it's second season, it might be first season, but Jesse's trying to break into like a junkyard. Um, just rewatch this too. This is annoying me that I can't remember when this scene happened. But in the original draft of the script, he's trying to break into like a junkyard or, or, a scra- or something like that. And he gets attacked by dogs. And so they write that. And then uh, when it comes time for, when it comes time to, for production, uh, they get told, look, dogs are going to cost you a lot of money um, with the trainer. And you also need a stunt guy, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you come up with anything else? And instead, they came up with the scene where Jesse tries to jump over the fence and use like a porta potty as um, as like kind of and he ends up going through the roof of the porta potty, and it's a delightful mess, delightful. Um, and they credit they credit the budget issue for making the scene better. Like it's yeah. because they had to come up with a different solution to that scene. They got came up with something that they had never seen before. And why keep and in. What's interesting, though, is that I am sure these days that if Vince Gilligan wanted to do a show for Netflix, they too would hand him buckets of money and no creative restrictions, and you wouldn't have scenes like that. You you know you could have the easy solution to your problem instead of coming up with the creative and unique way of doing it. And I think there's a lot to be said for like shows that are kind of like are having to be scrappy, like you know, and you know especially like. And you know, I think I think especially you know as the shows we like and the shows we cover, you know, I, I I tend to gravitate towards like you know shows like You're the Worst, where you can tell that they are not they are not shelling out huge amounts of cash for production. They shoot so much on location. They're clearly clearly operating under not enough time, not enough money. But you know, they make a great product. Yeah, that, that's honestly a great example because they just this season were able to finally build a set as opposed to using Jimmy's real house. Uh, and and that's made things a lot easier, and, and it's made things a lot... It's it's helped the production, but it's not an extravagance. Like it's, it's made it... They've justified it in a lot of different ways because of what the show's already become. And it's, it's fun to kind of play around with those limitations, and I think that's kind of the key to all of this is... You have to understand exactly what you want to do. If it's if it's an easy choice, if you make it because you're not thinking about anything other than the fact that you can, that's not always the best way to go. You know, we've we've always been, or I've always been a proponent of editing. You know, I want things to be shorter. I want things to be tighter. I think it's going to help your show if you boil it down to the absolute minimum that you can you can let it exist. And there's exceptions to the rule always. Like you know, if something's a meditative. Thing like rectify where you just kind of live in that world give them a little bit more time they they can figure that out themselves they have their own distinct pacing but you know i've never been a big fan of of the netflix comedies that run past 30 minutes like they they usually are just heavy and they're the weight the fact that they're weighted down does not make them better most of the time if you've noticed like director's cuts of comedies aren't as good as the theatrical cut of comedies because they're just throwing in all the jokes that they they thought they loved or they thought they needed and it it weighs it down it just makes it longer and you kind of need that in the same way with money if you if you if you can get it and you know you can get it easily then you're just going to take that solution you're going to use the dogs if you have to fight for something and then you get it because you put up a really good argument for why you needed it then clearly you're coming at it from a creative side of things as opposed to just a lack of creativity in a way um, 
So uh, there's there's definitely goods and bads. And, and one of the great things, I'm sure a lot of you are pulling your hair out because you're independent filmmakers. You've been reading IndieWire for a while. And you're like, man, yeah, just give me all the money. I need money. Money is the biggest problem is that I can't get this done because I don't have the budget for it. Um, and yeah, but what you're trying to do isn't $100 million, $120 million of, of a TV show. You don't, that's not always what you need. And, and, and yet sometimes when you see the final product, um, you know, the, the get down is the good example right now. Uh, movie wise, you know, people said Jim, Jim Cameron was crazy for making Avatar. You see the final product, you see what he made off of it. And he wasn't like, he knew exactly what he did. He knew exactly what he needed to do it. And there's always those people who have to fight for that tooth and nail. And I think it's always better if that's how it comes about, as opposed to having it just being handed to you. Well, and, and, and I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like friction, I feel like, is kind of what we're talking about here. And friction creates conflict, but it creates, it, it, it makes you stronger. Um, and I mean, I it's funny, like I, I used to cover, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling nostalgic today because uh, we went to, uh, as part of TCA's, we got to go to the YouTube space. Uh, so I was thinking about, I used to cover a lot more digital content. We talked to web series creators and so forth. And those people were so passionate about their work that they were often paying for out of their own pockets. And I remember that like, there's this one, there was this one creator who got a show, uh, who was like, got his show funded by Comedy Central. And, but it was a really big, ambitious idea. So he actually lost money making that show because he just he didn't pay himself a salary. He took every penny of that budget and he threw it on screen. And you could tell, like it looked amazing. But he also, you know, had some financial issues because you do actually still need to pay your rent and everything. And I think, and that's not what we're talking about right now. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, it, it really budget is really important, but it's also like you know, boundaries, I think, are also really helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you, that guy seems like a great example of this, if only because he knew what his budget was, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do, and he knew what he was sacrificing by not paying himself a salary to get what he wanted on screen. He is making the the choice to use the money that's at his option for very specific things, and right. that's the creative side <laughs> of it. And, and, and there there's a creative side of this kind of budget process, and then there's the business side of the budget process. And if the business overwhelms the creative, it usually doesn't end up that well. Mm -hmm. I feel like Vinyl just had money thrown at it because of the names attached and not because the names attached knew they needed X, Y, and Z to make a great television show so much as they needed X, Y, and Z to make it feel authentic. And it did feel authentic. It felt like the 70s when you're watching that show. That That's not the problem with it. But you need you need to understand what you're starting with. And, and I feel like most of the success stories are the people who understand what they're starting with. They understand what they're doing from the get-go and and it works better that way yeah i mean money is such a huge topic at this point and like i think it's going especially as this industry gets balloons in size as it continues to do i think it's a conversation we're gonna have more and more like just talking about like you know is this is this sustainable but you know in the meantime i think what we've learned is sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad especially if but I think it really does come down to how hard you're fighting for it. Yeah, and it's it's a fascinating kind of issue because of what it because of the news. Like if it breaks early, especially in movies, but also in TV, if you hear something is going back for reshoots, or if you hear something is over budget, they're usually they they used to be red flags. They used to be something that came up and made you think, oh, this show's in trouble. Like there's something wrong here. That's not the case anymore. Like I mean, you can't guarantee <clears throat> that because something 
spent a ton of money or spent more money than they expected it to or just spent a, what seems like a preposterous sum, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's not a guarantee that, that there's problems. Uh, the get-down, you know, that, that story that broke in Variety made it sound as though this was going to be a mess, and it's not. It's, it's exactly what Baz wanted it to be, and that's what you want it to be as the viewer. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different story than something like, you know, Suicide Squad, where, you know, they're trying to cram in a, a billion different things into this one movie uh, to make it sell all these other products that are they're trying to expand upon. It's That's not a creative decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's not the same, and you're never really going to know until you see it. And all of this money talk, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to get inside that process, even on a very limited basis. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, it's no longer, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. The, yeah. the, the negativity associated with it is still definitely there. But it, I don't know. And it, in my opinion, I think it does affect the perception of it when you watch it. If you read those stories, or if you're too in the know, you might be inclined to still see something in more of a negative light or be more skeptical about something until you watch it. Um, and I, I, I've noticed that with some of the early get down reviews, which bugs me, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's not the red flag that it used to be, I guess is, is what I've said six times and what I'll end it on. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we should segue to our best thing, next thing section. Uh, but first I have to tell you something, Ben. Uh Oh, I owe you a sandwich. Yes. Yes. Warrior lives. How many emails did you get, Liz? 60? 100? I am up to, I believe, five. Oh my gosh, five. Now, of you I want to note people. for the record one of these is a person who I believe, your friend Jeremy, so the, a man, you know, somebody you, you best, also heard from my mom. I also heard from your mom. So technically, Technically, I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to disqualify those two. Well, in the process, I will say there's there, the first email we got, nobody knows who it is. Thank you for writing in. Uh, we got another email that said, distinctly, stop talking about Warrior. I'm not going to watch the show. No, she wasn't saying stop talking about Warrior. She's just like, I'm strongly stating that no one cares about Warrior. And then you talked her into thing. watching it. Damn right I did. And she loved it. She liked it she fine. She loved it. She the she words is devoted now. She's a follower and a supporter. And she yeah, she used the word liked, but because she did watch it, because Ben yelled at her. I didn't yell at her. You I didn't just, yell. I just made a pretty good case for why you should watch Warrior. But yeah, she oh, did man. actually watch Warrior. When do I get my Arby's? <laughs> I want my Arby's sandwich. I uh. want it on this plate, and I want to eat it now. <laughs> But I want to say that the one thing about the, the cost of the sandwich aside, um, I will say that it was actually really lovely getting because uh, a couple of people who did not know Ben and were clearly being paid by Ben to you know email me. Um, I don't have to pay. <laughs> I just have to find the people that I know love Warrior and get them to voice their opinion. Um, but anyways, uh, I got. But I, we did get some lo- lovely notes from people who. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things where Ben and I sit in our office. We record this podcast. We put it out into the world, and we don't get a lot of direct feedback. Uh, like sometimes people mention us on Twitter. Sometimes people resp- send us emails, but not a ton of response happens. Just because you know it's kind of a one way medium. But it was lovely getting to hear from people. And thank you. Uh, we I sincerely thank you for your notes and also for listening. Like that's really nice of you guys. 
these I second that it is very kind of all of you to to contact us with praise and, but, uh, but even just listening passively like I appreciate absolutely. that no we, we appreciate everybody out there who's who's paying any attention to us whatsoever and um, I just want to go on record saying that as of now the most response that we've ever received about a topic we've had on this podcast are these warrior emails <laughs> Only because of the sandwich bed. I'm pretty sure that that classifies Warrior as a cult hit. I mean, it's in the zeitgeist. It it's is certainly culty. being discussed about. And sadly, any of you out there who are listening, if you happen to bump into Nick Nolte on the street, you should tell him how much you love Warrior because apparently no one is doing that. Ben interviewed Nick Nolte last week just because of Warrior. Well, no, he's got a TV show coming out. And you actually talked about the TV show? I talked about the TV show exclusively for 95% of the interview. Just at the end when I was saying my goodbyes, I asked him if he got, if anybody came up to him to talk to him about Warrior lately. Like like just on the street, just after it came out because I felt like it had this second life. And he said, no, nobody did. And he was, he seemed touched that I brought it up and happy that, you know, that I was acknowledging it in some way. So if you happen to see Nick Nolte, Tell him you love him in Warrior and you love Warrior because it's, it's, uh, I think he'll like that. Yeah. So, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, it's no secret. We've talked about it a, a lot already. It's the Get Down. I love the Get Down. I am very, very enthusiastic about this TV show. Um, I cannot wait for people to watch it. It debuts August 12th on Netflix. So, just uh, mere days from when you're listening to this. Absolutely. It tells the untold story of hip hop's birth through the combination of soul music, disco in the 70s, uh, primarily talking about uh, black and, and uh, Puerto Rican families in the Bronx. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's the, music, the story that you want to see right the, now on TV. The music aspect of it is really fascinating. It breaks down the history of, uh, of hip hop in ways I had never seen before and made a certain elements that make sense to me. Like, and I'm not a big music buff, and so the fact no. that they were able to, I was able to connect with it on that level uh, really impressed me. Yeah, so much of this is inspired by real people who, you know, existed at this time, and, and they've turned them into this, you know, fictional narrative, but it's still very much based in truth, and it feels that way. It, it feels like a very truthful show, um, and, and you're... If you get nothing else out of it other than the music, you're going to be extremely happy that you watched it. But there's so much more to dig into, and they dig into it. And this is part one. This is the first six episodes. Yeah. First time Netflix has split up a season like this, split up the, res- the release. Um, we'll get six more hopefully soon. But Have uh, they said when? I don't think they've committed I to think anything. They, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like 2017. Is yeah, I think it's going to be next year, too. Okay. Um, but there's so much to chew on within just these six episodes. And the first episode's 90 minutes long. I mean, it's a feature film. Yeah. And, it's, and that's the one that, that Baz directed. And you can feel it. Like, if you liked Moulin Rouge, if you liked Gatsby, you're going to flip your lid over this over these 90 minutes. So yeah. uh, that's the best thing I've watched. I've talked enough about it. Liz, best thing you've watched this past week during the crazy TCA days with screeners galore and TV everywhere. What's what's playing for you? Hey, you know about the show Fringe? Oh, my God. <laughs> go away. Come back later. Sit down. Um... Okay, well, it's, I, I did. I am still watch, watching. It, look, seasons two and three of Fringe are pretty extraordinary television. That's all I'm saying. 
Um, but beyond Fringe, I will t- say I, I want to do two shout outs. Um, one is uh, the pilot for Designated Survivor is still like, I'm not sure if that show is going to be really strong beyond the pilot, but that pilot ticks off a lot of boxes for me. It's a political thriller. Uh, it's got a great cast. Cal- Making Maggie Q an FBI agent in something that's not Stalker is like the number one way to win over my heart because Maggie Q is the best. She's great. And so is Cal Penn. And so they're in a TV show together. And yeah, also Keith Sutherland is in it. And he's actually, you know, he's doing a very, very deliberately not going the Jack Bauer route. And he's playing a really interesting character. And he's, and, you know, he's one of those stars who just owns the screen. And it's so the whole show is, uh, the show premieres on ABC next month. And we may actually be talking about it way more than usual for a broadcast show. So uh, look forward to that. Um, and the other and the other thing I wanted to shout out for was uh, Mr. Robot this week. Mm. Um, this is the one show I'm keeping up with. Apparently, well, Mr. Robot and Ballers, of course. Of course. Um, uh, but Mr. Robot, I was watching the screener in the ballroom, and the last few minutes of this week's episode uh, made me gasp out loud. And in, 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 like, people were like, is, "Is everything okay? Like, did someone die?" I'm like, no. Well, yes, I'm but on the TV. Spoiler. Um, spoiler. Um, I mean, it's Mr. Robot. People can, but something it's it's it was <laughs> well, legitimately. We know nobody is watching it live, Liz. I know. Um, actually, I was going to. This is. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll do this every week, but I liked having people email me questions. Uh, email me about stuff from last week's podcast. So this week's podcast question for that you can email in your answer to because I do want to know, and uh, I, I would be very interested to know how many of you are actually watching Mr. Robot. We know exactly how many people are watching. Or wait, just in general? I'm just asking, like, no, like, our reader, our listeners, like, are you watching Mr. Robot? Is it a part of your, is it a part of your TV diet right now? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but they could tell, they, I'm letting, they could, they could let, they could let us know uh, personally. Personally, yeah. Yeah, anecdotally, I'd love to have evidence of whether or not people watch the first season, whether or not they're keeping up with the second season, that sort of thing. Yep. So Liz at IndieWire.com if you want to email me your thoughts on Mr. Robot, and then I will share them with Ben. Or you can email Ben as well okay. at Ben at, ben at IndieWire.com. I don't need to hear him. Ben doesn't care about I'm Mr. Robot. <laughs> I, I think it's a great show, but I, I, know, I know how many people are watching. It's the same number of people who are watching Unreal. Well, people are going to email me and say they're not watching, and that's fine. I don't. I, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yes. But anyways, I'm interested in the answer either way. Uh, so let me know at Liz at IndieWire.com. Meanwhile, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Screeners, Liz. I'm looking forward to screeners. Specifically, more screeners of two shows that are coming out relatively soon, uh, one of which I've seen the pilot of, one of which we've talked about and seen the first two seasons. I want my You're the Worst Season 3 screeners. Our FX TCA day is coming up. Give me my You're the Worst, please. I believe they said it's coming. it's coming soon. I know. It's Yeah, they've, they've promised them. I'm just very eager. I can't wait to see uh, Season 3 of the show, which premieres August 31st. Uh, seasons 1 and 2 are available on Hulu right now. Guys. Watch it. That is another one that nobody is watching live, so please catch up on it on Hulu and then start watching it live because we want the show to last forever. It's yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Best, second best comedy on TV second that two. we had on our list last year. Veep was number one. Veep was number one, yeah. yeah so Where second. did Bojack? Did Bojack make our list? Yeah, it was like number seven or eight. Okay. So it's probably the third or fourth comedy, whatever. Um, but yeah, so You're the Worst. And then a new show that's coming out called uh, Better Things, mm-hmm. which which is from Pamela Adlon and Louis C.K. Uh, watch the pilot for that. It's coming out in September. 
loved it. Loved every second of it. Um, great guest stars, cameos, whatever you want to call them. Great, just organic, real feeling to it. Very, very funny. Like the like the funniest episode of Louie you can imagine is this show, and uh, I can't wait to see more. She's She is the perfect person to be kind of continuing, to picking up the torch for Louie and, and continuing telling these kind of stories. If... If, if Seven Seasons of Californication gave us any one gift, it is your love of Pamela Adlin being transferred over to this show. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, she, she'd deserve it even without sticking out Seven Seasons of, of Californication. I'd love for you would, you to show up on this show and just have them, like, let them have their back and forth in real life and have a little talk about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do love her, and, and she's been great in everything I've seen her in. So to, to have her have her own show is very exciting. Yeah, cool. Um, but Liz, is your next thing perhaps something coming out sooner than, well, within the next three weeks, maybe? Oh God, um, not really, because nope. well, all the TV is all the TV is coming at the end of August, beginning yeah. of September. Yeah. Um, we're so in I that zone. We're in that zone. Time to catch up, people. Um, I had You're the Worst down as well. Awesome. Everybody, but, get on Hulu right now. Yeah. Catch up on You're the Worst, August uh, 31st. But I'm also going to mention, because you mentioned You're the Worst already, uh, last night I sat down. I was really looking forward to watching uh, the screeners for Insecure, the Issa Rae show. Yeah. That's premiering in October. That looks really funny. I was laughing out loud at the trailer in the during dur- that they showed at TCA's, and I yeah. don't laugh out loud a lot. Um, and unfortunately, they took down the screener, so I couldn't watch Uh-oh. it. So, um, though, of course, they'll be back before the show actually premieres. The screeners were just being provided for TCA purposes. Uh, but I will look, I'm looking forward to catching up with that. Did they take down Divorce, too? They did. Did you watch that yet? I did. I watched all of Divorce. Oh, you did? Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll have a conversation about Divorce in a bit. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and so there's that. Insecure, I'm looking for. That's in October. Closer to that, uh, we've got many episodes of Queen Sugar to dig into, mm. and that's that's the Ava DuVernay show that is famously being written and directed entirely by women. So it'll probably be terrible. No, I'm of course joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Liz. You've been judging women exclusively on their outfits during the TCAs, so pff. look. I'm trapped in that ballroom, and they're going to wear outfits, and I'm going to think about them. Yeah. I have. I'm... Well, I listen to what they're saying. You know, they're on stage with a microphone. I don't know why we'd pay attention to the words coming out of their mouth. Because they're wearing outfits, and they need to have attention paid to them. Because they're women wearing clothes. <laughs> women be shopping. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, feminism. I'm so sorry <laughs> right. we do this to you. You apologize. Don't say we. I didn't do any of this. I am you writing up the articles. You just literally threw up your hands and said women you. be shopping. Mocking you, Liz. <laughs> trying to get you back on the right team. You're, you've drifted <laughs> away, and I'm trying to throw a life preserver out, bringing you back over to, to listening to what women have to say. Yes. But Queen Sugar. So, as a woman speaks right now, and I talk over, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> we did it. You mansplained me, and you talked over me. Did it all? Yeah, all one. Well, I didn't mansplain you. I'm not. No, I'm not. Actually, I'm not explaining what it's like to be a woman from a man's perspective to a woman right now. I'm not doing that, Liz. You misunderstood me. Let me try again. You should. You should try. Try speaking again now. You can speak now. I'm just saying. No, Liz. You can go ahead. Now. Just, just keep just oh, I fell say what's it. on your mind. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to murder you someday. Those are nice shoes, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, okay, that I think that's enough for this week. Um, uh, as always, uh, go to IndieWire.com for our continued coverage of TCAs. And then slowly but surely, freedom. 
we will leave the ballroom. We will write about other things Probably that not. are not TCAs, and it'll no. be glorious. No, I doubt it. That'll be the Emmys. Oh, God, you're right. And my impending death. <laughs> and your impending death. Uh, but you can go to anywhere.com for all of that. And you can definitely hear about things non-TCA-related on Screen Talk, our sister podcast with Eric Cohn and the lovely Ann Thompson. Um, this week's episode, Friday, the last episode, they talked about Suicide Squad and... Uh, what, went, what went wrong there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, big time. But they had another good topic. There's a lot of good indies coming out. Iris Axe has got a new movie out right now called right. Little, Little Men, Men, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're digging into all that great stuff, as well as preparing for the Oscars. And fest- festival season. There. And, yep, festival route leading to the Oscar circuit. One and the same. Uh, so make sure you listen to Screen Talk. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz Baller Miller at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E on the Twitters. Thank you. That's, this is my new legal name. Um, Baller. Yep. Shot caller, 20 years of age. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. And as always, you guys, keep watching television. Oh.